I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, Crustacean News Station. All the crabby stories fit to print. Or pinch? Lobsters not saying no to drugs, and crabs implicated in a famous disappearance. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, can lobsters feel pain? Joining me today is friend of the show, co-host of the Just the Zoo of Us podcast, Ellen Weatherford. Welcome! Thank you. It's always nice to talk to you, Katie, my favorite person. (laughs) I am so excited to have you on specifically for this one. I couldn't imagine a better guest to have on to talk about uh, lobsters getting hotboxed and crabs disappearing (laughs) a lady. It is incredibly on brand for me, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of just crustaceans being menaces. Yeah. Of course you I'm I know that you are already a fan of the concept of uh carcinization that we all shall become crabs at some point that crab crab <laughs> form just so the story behind that is that animals especially crustaceans but animals in general will often come to this evolutionary path and converge on the crab shape because the crab shape is apparently really good. Scuttling is apparently just a really premium method of transportation. And so like you'll have spiders, arthropods, crustaceans, all sort of independently evolving crab form. I, it's it's funny that you bring this up now because I just this week did a TikTok about carcinization, which I know probably to a lot of people is like, okay, a TikTok, that's not that big a deal. I put a lot of research and thought <laughs> into my TikToks. Like I prep for a long time for these stupid little videos. I'm like, uh, and so <laughs> I'm literally buying, like I, I had to buy a, a dongle for my phone to like, I, I got to I guess I got to start getting into TikTok and stuff. And so I'm like, all right, but I got to buy a phone dongle. Uh, t- before I get into TikTok, it's a whole process. Uh, you know, it, it. I I have much respect for people who actually manage to create TikTok videos. 
hopefully uh, I will join soon. I will keep everyone posted on that, how how I struggle with that, if, if that comes to fruition. But uh, Struggle is the right word for it. <laughs> but Ellen's already got those out, so check those out uh, on, her, on her TikTok. Is that uh, just a Zoo of Us TikTok, or is it under your name? It's- yeah, it's just under my name. Um, I've been kind of doing it because I like post stuff about uh, multiple podcasts on there. So it's just kind of a catch all. Also, I just like goof on there sometimes, nice. too. So I don't I didn't want to feel like, oh, I can't post this because <laughs> it's a podcast account and I have to stay relevant. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to post whatever inane thoughts nice. jump into my head. I mean, it's funny that you say that you couldn't do that under the name of a podcast, but I feel like I speak <laughs> any inane thoughts I have on my own podcast. So I'm not sure what you're talking about. But yes, do do check out Ellen Weatherford's TikTok. I'm sure those are really fun. Um, but yes, let's talk about lobsters getting high. Uh, do you eat lobsters, Ellen? I don't. I uh, unfortunately, as far as like culinary experience goes, I might be the worst guest you could have possibly <laughs> picked to talk about. Like the enthusiasm and the love is there. Um, but unfortunately, I don't eat any seafood. Wow. Like fish, cr- crustaceans, uh, like shellfish, none of it. I I don't like any of it. All of our crustacean listeners are just so excited. They're clapping. <laughs> they're pinching their claws. They're they're so happy. Uproariously. <laughs> <laughs> I've got bad news for my crustacean listeners. I do occasionally eat lobster. I'm actually not like a huge fan of lobster. It, I feel like it gets this. Oh, it's this fancy food that you should eat because you're a fancy person and it's really great. It has clout. It's ha- it's got clout. It's it's definitely got clout. Uh but I think it's fine. It's just fine. Like I think that it is it's only as good as sort of the butter or seasoning right. that you put on it. It's merely a vessel for the butter is exactly. what I've heard. It's, it's like a butter a, vessel. It's like a little spoon. That you use to get the butter into your mouth because you can't just stick your spoon in butter. I mean, you can't. Pretty much. You can't just stick your spoon in butter. Uh, There's a certain amount of pride (laughs) we have uh, where we can't do that. Uh, Someday, maybe I will lose that ego and be able to just stick a spoon (laughs) in butter. But um, I had always heard that uh, even though now we associate lobster with like being a very sort of like upscale, uh, bougie meal that originally, or I don't know about originally, but at least, you know, to the tune of over a hundred years ago, lobster was like seen as very sort of like low class, you know, like it was like the McDonald's yeah, like of the, like it's seafood. Some kind of weird sea bug. Yeah, I've heard that too. And I think it it's based on sort of the availability of the lobster. So if you've got like a city next to, you know, a, a port and uh, people can just kind of go out and grab some lobster and eat it uh, because it's so it's that's free food, right? It's free food. It's easily available. Um, but then, like when it act when it's like a little bit trickier to like uh, you know get from point A to point B, then it becomes like a fancy food because it's like oh, this right. lobster is imported, and uh, lobster also has to be kept alive uh, before you consume it. So oh. that is that is we'll we'll hit on why in just a bit. Uh, but it seems like there are a lot of barriers between the lobster being alive in the water and being in your mouth. There are like it just seems like such a hassle. It is a hassle. I always was fascinated when I was a kid by the live lobsters at Ralph's, the grocery store. Uh, I don't think they- I was terrified of them. 
I would not walk anywhere near that I lobster tank because they had lobster tanks in Publix, mm-hmm. which anybody listening from Florida is having a moment because Publix is a way of life. I miss it dearly. I just moved to Washington. We don't have them up here and I miss them. Um, but they had a lobster tank that not only would I like not willingly walk through the section of the store it was in, but if we did have to walk past the lobster tank, I would hold my breath wow. the whole time was it until it was like out of eyesight. It was smelly, but also I had a weird thing about like, not, I don't know. It was like a weird superstition almost that I like didn't want to like breathe the same air as the lobsters. You could then so become a lobster yourself. No, I know. I know how that is. Uh, yeah, the spores will kind of <laughs> like like parasitically. You'll, yeah, the, you'll get district. Everyone nined. knows about the spores. Nobody wants to get <laughs> district nine. So, uh, no, I loved the lobsters when I was a kid. I always like I would fantasize about like getting one. I probably asked my mom like, "Can we keep one like as a pet?" She said, "No." I thought maybe I could keep it in the bathtub, um, like in the Simpsons. You know, Homer's pet lobster. I I wanted to do that as a kid, but that never came to fruition. Um, like as a kid in the United States, the only time you see a live animal being sold in a store is like a pet store. Right. The, so when yeah. you see one in a grocery store, there's the connection. You're like, this is a pet. I also like the idea of being the lobster's savior of uh, preventing them from becoming food. Uh, right. You want to have that yeah. Disney princess like Fern Gully moment. Yeah. It's why I used to buy feeder mice when I was a kid and keep them as pets because like I have saved you from the snake. A terrible fate. Feeder mice are so much cuter than lobsters, Katie. You can't pretend like that's the same thing. Have They're ever, so cute. Have you ever looked a lobster uh, right into their rostrum uh, and stared into their soul? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't say that I have. <laughs> so there is this news story I think is both really funny but also thought-provoking. It is about lobsters getting completely stoned before killing them in a pot of boiling water. So I've always thought it was strange that we don't just mercifully kill lobsters before boiling them. I understand that lobsters are not the most intelligent animals, but it is weird that like this assumption that it's like, well, let's just boil them alive. I'm sure nothing's going to happen there. It's like... Right, like that can't be it. That can't be the best way. Right, like I, I get they're not super smart, but I, it's weird to me to assume like they don't feel pain. Like I... I, you know, like, I'll, like, eat fish, right? But my assumption is fish can feel pain. And I don't, you know, like, I would not want them to suffer, right? I would want them to be quickly killed and not, like, you know, boiled alive. And not, like, under the prolonged stress, right? right? Like, the absolute terror of they clearly know something's wrong and that something bad is happening to them, even if they couldn't physically feel it. Right. Which, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe they can. Maybe they can't. I don't know. But either way, they're going to be like, you know, under a period of extreme stress. Yeah. No, I mean, there, so there has been a debate over the years as to whether lobsters can feel pain. So tossing mm. a lobster into boiling water can take up to three minutes to kill the lobster. So if they can feel pain and be consciously aware of that pain, that would be pretty horrifying. In 2005, there was a Norwegian report to the Scientific Committee for Food Safety. It was reported by news outlets as finding that, quote, lobsters don't feel pain and that their reactions to painful stimuli are just reflexes. Uh, so I looked at the actual report uh, itself, not just like the, the news uh, report of the report. And so the, the uh, scientific report was a review of existing studies and anatomical knowledge about various invertebrates, 
it does not actually come to the conclusion about lobsters not feeling pain. They're just very honest that they cannot rule it out. They just say that there's no evidence that con- that lobsters consciously experience pain and that their reactions to boiling water, like thrashing around, could simply be unconscious reflexes. But it's not, it, this is speculation. It's not conclusive. They're just saying there's no evidence that they do feel pain. There's no evidence that they don't feel pain. They actually mm. call for more research on the sub- subject of lobsters and crabs feeling pain, concluding that it's unlikely that they feel pain, but something that's understudied. So, uh, yeah. It makes me wonder if you put a human in a vat of boiling water and mm-hmm. saw them you like, so far. panicking and thrashing. On board. Right? Like, you could also interpret that as like a reflex, right? right? But that doesn't mean that just because they're responding to the pain physically doesn't mean that it's not like accompanied by a sensation. And then at that point, then the only way you'd know if it was accompanied by a sensation of pain, you'd have to talk to them, yeah, right? Yeah, you'd have to interview them out of, uh, after the experience of like, so how was it being boiled alive? Personally, no, not a like, fan. I didn't enjoy it. Because, like, our responses to pain are also reflexes, yes. right? Like, it's right. not that far removed from how we respond to pain. Right. I think the idea is that lobsters have such a simple kind of brain situation mm. where it's not like it really mm. this, like, you know, it's got kind of this uh, nervous system that is structurally so different from ours that maybe they don't have the same kind of consciousness that we do. Their brains are sort of a neural bulb kind of situation. But you're assuming a lot that they don't uh, feel pain. So there was actually a more recent review of literature and report to the UK government in 2021, which again looked at pain perception in invertebrates. They looked at a variety of invertebrates. And so they found the highest evidence of behavior that could be interpreted as responding to pain in octopuses. Not a lot of surprise there. Octopuses are clearly pretty uh, intelligent. In a study, octopuses would avoid tank chambers filled with an irritating acid and would sink out chambers that contained an anesthetic. So octopuses showed a very intelligent avoidance of pain. Uh, There was also a study on crayfish, uh, which are not lobsters, but they are a crustacean. uh, And they found that the crayfish would engage in a stress response of hiding in dark, shadowy places and would do this in response to pain stimuli. They would also stop hiding when given anti-anxiety medication. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this was interesting because while crayfish are not the same thing as lobsters, they are, you know, similar uh, and they are crustaceans, they're invertebrates. So it's, uh, you know, it that I think is the strongest evidence so far that lobsters may feel pain. Um, and, you know, personally, I don't have like a really strong opinion. I I think that it's clear that lobsters and crustaceans have a pain response. Uh, Mm -hmm. I strongly believe octopuses are intelligent enough that they would feel pain and be consciously aware of it. Yeah. And and octopuses also have the benefit of, I think, being able to behave in a way that humans are good at perceiving and understanding. Like, we have a pretty easy time seeing what an octopus is doing and kind of getting it. Like yeah, we kind of like exactly. can, can sort of relate to, I don't know if it's because octopuses have a sort of like 
I, I think maybe it's in the eyes. Mm-hmm. You can look an octopus in the eyes and kind of like, you know what they're doing. Some of their structures are a little more analogous to ours, so we can kind of like get it. But like yeah, their tentacles are is... Their tentacles are so flexible, they can do such complicated things with them. We can see the yeah. complexity of their behavior and their actions. Yeah, whereas like a crustacean, you know, they may be behaving in a way that like they know what they're doing, but we might just have no way of knowing like, oh, is that a response to pain? Is that just, you know, seeking out a dark spot because that's what their instinct is? Like, it's a little bit more difficult for us to like parse what's going on in a crustacean behavior. But octopuses are like really good at sort of like communicating not not intentionally right but like what they do is kind of easy to be understood by humans yeah no i think that's absolutely true and yeah i mean lobster and crab nervous systems are you know very simple they're very different from ours uh and they are structurally very different in certain ways that i think they are able to do things that a human being could not do without like you know completely breaking down, like tearing off their own limbs uh, to escape predators. Uh, so like the fact that their uh, nervous system is so different, uh, there's like, it's possible, right, that they have an evolutionary advantage to not being consciously aware of pain so that they can do this self-amputation mm. behavior. Oh, um, true, yeah. And it's true that the thrashing around in water, the lobster could be, that could just be a reflex. Of course, also the screaming that people talk about hearing, you know, like when a, that like high-pitched sort of whine when you put a lobster in the water, that is just steam escaping. It's not the lobster screaming. Um, but I also think that we really don't know that they can't feel pain. And even biologists who seem to be less convinced that they can feel pain typically point out that we don't have the capability to know and that they're just kind of making an assumption given what we do know. So I feel like ethically it's better to assume that they might be able to feel pain. Like I'm not against Mm -hmm. eating lobster necessarily. I just think that like boiling them alive is messed up. Uh, (laughs) It feels that like it doesn't feel good. Yeah. No, I think it's like, again, I'm not, I'm not a vegetarian, but I think that there is a, a middle ground between like being a vegetarian, which is great. I think it's great to be a vegetarian. I'm not not at all against uh, against being a vegetarian or mm-hmm. just not caring about animals. I think that like you can both like, you know, want to eat like lobster or fish or something and then but also care about their treatment up until they're on your plate. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can want it to be done ethically yeah. and sustainably. Exactly. So I am very excited to talk about a chef who has thought about this problem and her decision is to get her lobsters absolutely baked. And by baked, I mean high as heck. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to talk about these super high lobsters. Excellent. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old <laughs> Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, 
and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're going to talk about the chef who gets her lobsters absolutely just... Blaze it. This You've heard of rock lobster. <laughs> now get ready for stoned lobster. Nice, nice. <laughs> So this chef, chronicled in an article in National Geographic, really sympathizes with lobsters despite cooking and eating them, which I respect. Uh, Charlotte Gill, which is an amazing name for someone who is a chef uh, who sympathizes with aquatic A seafood species. chef. That's yeah, amazing. Seafood. Charlotte Gill can't invent a better name. Uh, <laughs> wanted to come up with a technique uh, to reduce the experience of pain for lobsters before chucking them into boiling water. So she hotboxed her lobsters in a plastic box filled with pot smoke, uh, marijuana smoke. So then they seemed to relax. She claims that the lobster meat actually tasted better and that after eating copious amounts of lobster, Drug tests revealed no marijuana in the human lobster eater's pee, so you can't get marijuana in your system from eating mm. a high lobster. Apparently, she tested this on her dad, too, which is like, that must have been one <laughs> proud dad to be like, my daughter is giving me high lobsters. Um, also, like, just to just, like, be a part of, like, your child's basically, like, grown-up science fair experiment. Where you get to eat That's a bunch of fun. lobster uh, from a chef. <laughs> Great. So the health department of Maine, unfortunately, did shut that down because I guess in Maine, hotboxing lobsters is not like an approved food additive. There uh, can't possibly already be a law about that. I mean, like that. This has to be like an Airbud, like it's not technically in the rules situation. I think it's that when it comes to the FDA and food additives, it has to be in the rules 
uh, you can't just discover a new food additive and start selling it before they can quickly like write up a law <laughs> against it. It's like I just I just found some alien organism and I'm going to put it in my fries. And it's like, no, you can't do that, unfortunately. So instead, she uses valerian root, which is supposed to have a somewhat similar effect which she mixes with water and soaks them in. Instead of like it being a hot boxing thing, it's like a valerian root bath. Is that not something from Skyrim? That's a real plant? It's I thought that was plant. from Skyrim. <laughs> it does sound like it's from Skyrim, but it's a real plant. Um, but yeah, apparently it has some kind of anti-anxiety, pain-soothing properties. Um, nice. And like, yeah, I but I, I am still... I am still in favor of getting the lobsters high and eating them. So I hope that at some point we do make like getting high an, a food additive that is approved by the FDA. So I'm just wondering how the behavior of a lobster when high could differ at all from the behavior of just a regular lobster. Because like it they can't be that different, right? start talking incessantly about Martin Scorsese films and like, you got to see him. It's like, no, I know he's a good director. And then they're like, no, you don't understand. You have to see it. You have to watch all of his movies. They listen to a lot of Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I love this chef. This is very interesting. And I'm definitely not going to say no to getting lobsters high. But I think the obvious question is, why don't we simply kill lobsters before boiling them, right? Like, why don't we have like a little lobster guillotine and just, you know, quickly kill them before boiling them so that, you know, it seems like that would be the the easiest solution. I would think so. Is there a reason why you don't? So is there a reason? There is a... It's a little questionable, though. So apparently when you kill a lobster, bacteria in their flesh can rapidly multiply, which are not mm. killed in the boiling process. So this bacteria is apparently resilient enough to not die after being boiled. Uh, I am not a food scientist, uh, so, but like... I don't see how killing them immediately before putting them in the boiling water like seconds before would be much different in terms of bacterial growth versus just like letting the boiling water kill them. Uh, I wasn't really able to find... Right, this has to be like the Usain Bolt of bacteria. Right, right, exactly. I mean, I wasn't this... I mean, someone please... If you, if you study lobsters or you study food uh, and bacteria, please... Send me if you have found a study that shows any difference in terms of bacterial growth of like killing the lobster first or like boiling it alive. Don't do the study yourself because I don't want to subject more <laughs> lobsters to, to like pain. But if there is an existing study, I really want to see it. I don't see how such a study could like get past the ethics board. But I mean, we also eat lobster all the time. Anyways, it's complicated. No, I... I, I, it seems like from some of the scientific studies I've read, the ethics board seems surprisingly chill about torturing animals sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes they're like, that's fine. You could do a little torture. It's okay. I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but I had a professor who had a student who did a study where they kept like drowning hamsters. And uh, it was like not intentional. Yet it was oh. not, it was not like she made no attempt to 
not drown the hamsters. It was a, it was a, the thing is like she was recreating a study that involved, like it was a study that was originally done on rats and she was tweaking the study, which is very common, right? You take a study design and you tweak it to try to get some new finding. But instead of using rats, she used hamsters and hamsters are not good swimmers. Rats are much better swimmers. And so these hamsters are desert animals. Yeah. So these poor hamsters kept drowning and then, like my prof- this professor, like eventually stepped in. And was like, "Why is there a basket full of dead, wet hamsters?" And she's Please like, "Do not the hamsters." And and then she's like, she had to shut that down because it's like, "Stop drowning the hamsters! What are you doing?" Anyways, so some- and people wonder why science has such a dark perception yeah. among the general public. I mean, th- this was this was definitely a horror story. This was it was meant as a cautionary tale of like please respect the animals that you are studying and minimize any casualties or suffering uh and like yeah so it is not it's it but unfortunately yeah sometimes that does happen so uh <laughs> i don't know who trusted a uh, a i don't remember if she was like an undergrad or a grad student but anyway she should not have been trusted with so many hamsters you got to start questioning when they keep like buying more hamsters. Like, why are you buying so Listen, many hamsters? Listen, I used to work in a pet store, and that was one of the things that we were like trained to refuse service for. Right, was that if someone kept repeatedly coming into the store and like buying a bunch of like, uh, you know, hamsters or gerbils or something like that, there was a point where we were supposed to stop selling to them. Yeah, because I, we're like, it's I clear think that you're doing enough. something nefarious. <laughs> I think you've had enough. I'm cutting, cutting you off. Cutting it's off. last call. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in terms of lobsters, uh, the, I, there are chefs who kill lobsters before boiling them. They stick a sharp knife in their heads right before putting them in the water. I know that sounds brutal, but to me, that is far more merciful. Like it is. I've seen like the I've seen the chefs that take the giant shears and cut the head off the crab. Yes. Right. And, like, that doesn't seem that bad, right? If it's, like, a quick and simple little, like, you know, before they even know what's going on, that's got to be better than three minutes of boiling. It's got to be better. I think I remember, like, a Hell's Kitchen or Top Chef episode where Gordon Ramsay is, like, yelling at someone because they were trying to boil their crab before killing it. Uh, So, you know, I mean, yeah, I think that, like, sharp knife right in sort of that, neural bulb right before putting in the water seems like that should be fine in fact in switzerland new zealand and reggio emilia italy you are required to knock out lobsters before boiling them either with an electric shock or knife in the brain so there are places so they've already they've already done this work it sounds like it sounds like and again, I, I still ha- I have not been able to find studies that like establish that somehow the bacteria is able to grow between that period and, you know, the three minutes that it takes for them to boil. Um, right. Like they don't seem to be worried about it. it so what's the deal? It seems to be fine. So, right. Look, if you so want to get the bacteria your... thing is a cover by big lobster torture, <laughs> big lobster torture. Look, if you want to get lobsters high, like, I think that's great. Um I just that's, think this might be That's awesome. Easy. Keep doing that. I, I, that is so awesome. I'm I approve of that regardless if you're going to eat them or not. Uh Just do it for fun. Just do it for Let fun. Them, like, like live a little. Go out to the ocean and start handing out spliffs uh by the seaside. <laughs> but like 
you know, I think that this is something that seems like we already have a good solution for. I'm not sure why we're not doing it. Again, if anyone has like knows of any studies or research about bacteria somehow growing in a lobster that like minutes after you kill it, let me know. Um, it seems fine. It seems fine. I'm, but I'm again. I'm not a food scientist, so I'm not going to tell you to like go out try try this at home unless you're a chef. Uh, I would I would personally <laughs> leave it to the trained chefs. Um, in terms of please know. don't ingest anything based on the recommendations of this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> please please don't like yeah just like uh you know just keep them as pets. That's what I'm saying. That's the responsible thing to do. <laughs> and then you can smoke together. That's right. Now you got a smoking buddy. There you Dream go. Dream joint rotation. <laughs> <laughs> they can even uh, clip it off for you. Really good at rolling them. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd have to roll it for them because they can't, they're lo- their pinchers are I too don't know. Big I think, have you ever seen how, how dexterous they can be with those little, those little pinchers and their little... Their little mandibles. I I think they could do it. Anyways, they, uh, you couldn't. <laughs> they couldn't use a bong though because they're they would break it. <laughs> I think there's probably a few more problems uh, than that, but yes, that's right. <laughs> Lobsters can't I'm, use. I'm trying to imagine where you would hold right. it on a lobster. <laughs> this is a good anti-drug message, kids. Lobsters can't use bongs. Why should you? Stay in school. <laughs> All right, so we are going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about the crabs behind a famous disappearance. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, since we've talked about eating crustaceans, I think it's only fair to talk about crustaceans eating us. You know, turn around. It's their revenge. It's, their, it's fair play. <laughs> Specifically, the question of what happened to Amelia Earhart? Did she get eaten by coconut crabs? Question mark. I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> this is one of those things that I've seen floating around on the internet for a while, and it, I initially just accepted it fully and completely uncritically in my brain. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely for sure true," um, and then haven't really looked any further into it at all. So I'm very excited about whatever you're going to say next. Yes. So first, who was Amelia Earhart? I say to the Zoomers who don't know anything about anything. I'm joking, Zoomers. You're great. You're smart. Uh, I never learned anything about Amelia Earhart in any class I ever took in my life. I mean, I learned that she flew planes, but not good enough, apparently, uh, (laughs) because skill issue. (laughs) (laughs) So Amelia Earhart famously went missing on a flight with her navigator, Fred Noonan. That's another thing. I think most people imagine it as just Amelia Earhart going missing. Her navigator, Fred Noonan, who was also her friend, also went missing on July 2nd, 1937. The International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, or TIGHAR, is a nonprofit full of extreme aviation nerds or experts, if whatever you want to say, obsessed <laughs> with solving aviation mysteries, including the mystery of Earhart's disappearance. Over many, many years of analysis and collecting evidence, their current theory is this. So Earhart and Noonan were unable to find their target, which was Howland Island in the South Pacific. They continued on their planned flight trajectory and ended up landing or crashing on Nikumaroro Island. There, either Earhart and Noonan lived as castaways or Noonan may have died while Earhart lived as a castaway alone. She may have survived living on rain squalls for water and small fish, birds and clams for food. It's assumed the plane floated off. This is based on things like finding clam shells and like there was some reports uh, that there like so like Navy search planes did actually fly over this island and they saw signs of oh. recent habitation. But they assumed the islands were all inhabited. So they're like, oh, that's not news because like. These islands are inhabited, but this island... Sure, just the people that live there. Right, exactly. But Nicomaruro, uh hadn't been inhabited since 1892, so that may have been Amelia Earhart, uh, which is really tragic, right? Like, this near miss, they might they could have found her if they had been a little smarter about knowing which islands were inhabited. And that was her target, right? Like, she was trying to get to that island. No, she was. Tra- they were trying to get to Howland Island. Uh, so uh, oh, this that's is right, not that's their right. target. 
Uh, oh, okay. It was only later in 1940 that the British found human bones. They only found about 13 bones. So if that was... That's not all of that's them. That's not all of them. We've got more than that. I forgot how many a human has, but it's much more than that. It's more than 13, I'm much, pretty sure. Many more than 13. <laughs> so if that was Earhart or Noonan's skeleton, what happened to the rest of the bones? Well... This island is uninhabited by humans, but guess who lives there? Giant crabs. <laughs> A billion giant crabs. <laughs> so many giant crabs. So coconut crabs are massive terrestrial crabs that can grow over 10 pounds or 4.5 kilograms and are over three feet around a meter in diameter. They're big. Their claws have an enormous amount of pinch potential. They are 10 times that of a human's grip, and they can crush bones or crack open coconuts. They will pretty much eat anything they can get their claws on. Coconuts, other crabs, birds who are too slow, and carrion. So, say you have the body of a famous aviatrix on an island of unfussy power crabs who eat dead things and can crunch bones. Do I need to do the math? Open and shut case, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so remember Tighar, the group of extreme aviation nerds who look into aviation mysteries and disappearances? Absolutely. Um, research by Tighar on coconut crabs and pig carcasses show that they are happy to drag bones off as a snack. Tighar is very dedicated to solving this mystery. They went to this island, brought a bunch of pig carcasses. <laughs> So what they're taking a Mythbusters approach yeah. to the whole thing. <laughs> Pretty much. So the theory is that your heart died either of the elements or some kind of injury. Uh, probably she wasn't murdered by the crabs. Probably. I've never seen any evidence she was not murdered by the crabs, but I feel like... I've never heard of these crabs attacking a person, I don't though. think they would attack a live person. I think you'd have to either be dead or very close to being dead. Um, right, so, like immobile. At, yeah, in which is terrifying. I really doubt. I think she would probably be dead. Um, so now it is a scavenger hunt for crab burrows to see if they can find like a secret stash of Amelia Earhart's bones. It's like the world's mm. most gruesome Easter egg hunt. Like, hey, <laughs> can we find a crab burrow and find some bones in there? Um, so uh, as far as I know, they are still on the hunt uh, for a crab burrow with uh, Amelia Earhart's the rest of the bones in it. Uh, so, you know, I'll keep you updated. I wonder, is there like any particular way they would know if it was her bones specifically or like, yeah, I'm just some bones. I mean, I think it would basically be like, are these the bones of a woman of this, you know. Oh, sure. Dimensions. I guess it would have like to kind of line up. It's not, it's also not necessarily super easy to like figure out whether bones are male or female. Um, but you can usually like size the size of the person, I think, is probably uh, the, the best way to do the identification. And I guess like how recent they'd be. Yeah, that too. You could like, you could definitely date. Date the bones, not take the bones on the date, but date them uh, temporarily. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of your uh, your work, Amelia. Uh, just sitting across, jaw falls back. She's off. a great listener. <laughs> uh, po- poor poor Amelia Earhart. I, I I joke because of course this is about crabs. Uh, 
carrying bones, which is inherently hard not to joke about. But it is just really sad because it's like, you know, it seems very likely that she uh, spent some time on this island, probably alone, you know, and, and died in a way that is really no no one deserves to have to go through that where it's just you know the elements and uh you know it's like i think that's something that happened whenever you like investigate these mysteries like once you get to the root of it you're like you know this was like a real person and yeah that that's really really upsetting like you know yeah uh, and then not to disparage the the airheart the real diehard airheart fans out there the the fandom community <laughs> No, the I mean, airheads. I, I think that it is. I, I I don't blame people for being intensely curious. It's it's a very interesting mystery. I don't think there's anything like you know. I, I think that in this Tig Har group, I think is very very respectful of the fact that this was a human being. Um, but the crabs certainly are not respectful of that fact. They're just <laughs> carrying bones, hiding them. Uh, those little the crabs r- are like, oh look this. Giant bag of meat just yeah showed up on our beach. Look, crabs, sounds great. Yeah. Crabs, uh, I don't not. I'm not saying we should be mean to crabs, but I'm saying if the shoe is on the other pincer, like crabs would not be getting us high <laughs> before boiling us and eating us. <laughs> they might do us the decency of chopping our head off first, though. Uh, just like a quick snap. I don't think right it'd be a neck. quick snap. I think it'd be a series of horrible pinches. <laughs> based on what i know about arthropod like behavior a lot of like insect like predatory insects and spiders and stuff uh if they're up against something that is going to put up a fight a lot of times they will go directly for like an immobilizing strike of some kind That's first true. like they'll try to like rip off the head or snip the neck or something like that so if you're like able to fight back they might at least try to like put you out of your misery first just to make it easier for them to eat you so that you're not like inconveniencing them while they're doing it. Counterpoint, I don't recommend you look at a video of a coconut crab eating a bird. I won't be doing that. I don't <laughs> think I'm going to be doing it's not, that. <laughs> it's not great. Um yeah, I mean I think their their pinch strength is just so like good that they don't need to worry too much about something escaping and thus they're not always the most um merciful uh when it comes to eating birds also like they're not the they're not the villain in the story right like it's it's unlikely that they like dealt the killing blow or anything like that they probably didn't like kill her no uh but also like they were just doing their role as like scavengers yeah of course like their role is to like clean up the ecosystem by like picking up decaying material so they were kind of doing what they were supposed to be doing yeah no it's just a little gruesome (laughs) it's a little gruesome but i think you know again they they're just doing they're just doing their stuff uh, the real villain is probably like gangrene or bacteria, to be honest. Like, hubris. Hubris. <laughs> sure, that too. Uh, well, <laughs> before we go, we've got to play a little game. Ellen, are you ready for the mystery animal sound game? Guess who's squawking? I'm so excited. Er- this is my favorite part. <laughs> Every week I pick a mystery animal sound and you, the listener, and you, the guest, Try to guess who is making that sound. It can be any animal in the world. So last week's mystery animal sound hint was this. She may seem to have a tough exterior, but Betsy here does not like to be bothered. 
Huh. It sounds like a beetle of some kind, maybe? Mm. Like a small bug. Like the it sounds like the stridulation of like a, a bug or like a beetle or something. Is it a beetle? You are absolutely correct. I don't know how granular what you no, want me to get. No, <gasps> Was I right? You were right. This is the stridulation of a beetle. This is a Bess beetle, a.k.a. a Betsy beetle. <gasps> the, so okay. congratulations to you and also to Auntie B, who guessed correctly. There are actually many species of Bess beetle in North America. Bess beetles are unusual among beetles in that they are relatively social and very vocal. So, yeah, they will live in groups in rotting wood. They care for their young. They also have to eat their own poop or the poop of other adult best beetles uh, once it's been broken down by microscopic organisms uh, to fully get the nutritional benefits of their meals. So that's fun. Always love a poop eater. They're the uh, drunk bachelorette party girls of the beetle world. (laughs) (laughs) Unusually social and very vocal. (laughs) <laughs> Unusually social and very vocal. <laughs> and eating crap, yes. Um, so they are remarkable because they have a large sound repertoire. Depending on the species, they can have around 14 distinct type of calls used in ver- various social contexts, from courtship to aggression to feeding. One species even has a post-aggression call when they start doing little push-ups to indicate that the fight is over, which is adorable. Um, (laughs) the sound that you just heard is likely a disturbance sound, the protest they make when disturbed. (laughs) Just being disturbed by the camera on them. (laughs) Yeah, like, like not, not exactly happy, uh, to be disturbed. So, on- that would be really funny if like every recording of this beetle was just the like, basically like the get that microphone away from me sound. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just the way that, uh, the, you know, the look that Ben Affleck has every time the paparazzi takes a photo of him <laughs> or he's, just, he's over it. This is that, this is the sound Ben Affleck makes when the paparazzi is like <laughs> annoying him. So on to this week's mystery animal sound. The hint is this. Please chew with your mouth closed, Bruce. All right. Can you guess who is making that sound? Huh. That was, there was like two components to that sound, and the squeak was a jump scare. <laughs> um, it sounds like some kind of rodent to me. Uh, I'm assuming that the Bruce part is a part of the clue, mm-hmm. but it's not whatever. It's not connecting any dots in my brain. Um, so it sounds like some type of little squirrel, maybe. I'm going to say maybe like a ground squirrel. Interesting. Interesting guess. Well, we will find out next week who is making this sound. If you out there think you know, send me your guesses at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. You can also send me your questions. I occasionally do a listener questions episode. And so I love receiving questions from you guys. Uh, Ellen, where can people find you? I am on, I, I'm most active on TikTok these days, um, and it's just my name, Ellen.Weatherford is my handle on there, uh, where I post a lot of TikToks about, you know, animal facts and evolution and um, sorts of fine, things that I find interesting. Uh, I have two podcasts. One of them is Just the Zoo of Us. Uh, it is a podcast where we review animals. It's either me and my husband or me and a guest. 
Katie has been a guest on. <laughs> uh, if you want to listen to us talk about cuckoo wasps, uh, that was really, really fun. That's a great starting point there. And that one is family friendly, so anybody can listen any age. And I have another podcast that I haven't put out an episode on recently because I have been in the middle of moving across the country, but it's going to start back up here really soon. It's called Spellbound and Gagged, and it's about all things uh, weird and gross and with bad vibes that you still like morbidly want to learn about. Like um, crabs eating Amelia Earhart? Yes! <laughs> haven't dedicated a whole episode to that, but I'm sure we will at some point. Uh, but Katie's also been a guest on that where we talked about our favorite parasites. Um, so if you wanted to, uh, check that out, that's on Spellbound and Gag. That one is not family friendly. We do say cusses. We hate on your that families one. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no families allowed. No families allowed. allowed. Uh, I, I, I highly recommend both of those podcasts, not just because I've been a guest on them, but because they're great. Uh, so do thank check you. them out. Uh, and thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show and you want to write a rating or review, I read every single written review and I deeply appreciate every rating. It really does help the podcast. And it makes me feel good. Uh, thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina Creature Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or guess what? Or if you listen to your favorite shows, I don't judge you. Do what you want. You know carry off Amelia Earhart's bones. That's all right. It's not. It's not. Don't do that. Bad crap. Hot box of Bad lobster. Bad crap. Hot box of lobster. There you go. Um, I'm not a lawyer, so don't. This is not legal advice. All right. See. Definitely only hot box of <laughs> a lobster if it's legal where you live. Right. Exactly. Check your local laws. See if it's legal to hot box a lobster. All right. <laughs> see you next Wednesday. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.